Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. I am your host, Colin J. Millett, broken owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. If this is your first time listening to this show, you, sir or ma'am, are in for a treat because our mission here is very simple. That is to empower our community through financial literacy and real estate education. We're legacy building. That is what we do. So if you're out there making things happen with your family, for the generations yet to come, you know, our word teaches us to leave a legacy, to leave an inheritance for our children, our children, children, and so forth and so on. We want you to put a hashtag on that thing that says that you are legacy building because that is what you are doing. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Anchor FM. You can also find us on Instagram at our website, ExitStrategiesRadioShow.com. You can catch us in a number of different places on your favorite podcast applications. We appreciate you listening. Please share this content with your friends, your family, your co-workers, even those in your groups, your church groups, etc. Guys, because sometimes the message and the word that we are speaking here today is for you. Sometimes it is for someone else that you know. Again, we appreciate you listening. Let's get started. Hey, look, Exit Strategies Radio Show. Hey, thank you all. Look, this is our 100th. <laughs> look here, hold on. We're going to make, we, look at all we're doing right here. We're going to make it rain. This is our 100th episode, guys. And I want to say thank you to uh, you, our listeners. Uh, we've had guests just been dropping by the studio. We have none other with us, Danielle Dixon Thomas with Allstate Up There in Monkey's Corner. Danielle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Corwin. How about you? I'm doing incredible. I'm doing incredible. Thank you so much for, for stopping in on us today. I know that you have you know a loyal following up there. And I gotta, if I could take just a moment of liberty and ask this question of, because look, you're in the insurance space and insurance in South Carolina is ridiculous right now. Yeah, it's pretty um, interesting. <laughs> so tell me what you're seeing, if you don't mind, real quick, because I want our listeners to pick this up and glean this from you. Sure. So what we're seeing is the impact of inflation. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, inflation, inflation. And it really is a real thing. And the business of insurance is helping people get back to where they were before a loss. Mm -hmm. And so I've equated it to you go out to dinner. You have a nice meal, you get an appetizer, you're getting everything, right? And mm -hmm. at the end, your weight person brings the check and you mm -hmm. got to pay. Mm -hmm. In insurance, we're the ones paying the check. So mm -hmm. some of what we're seeing is we're having to pay these large costs that we don't actually know the full cost of something until the invoice comes due. And we may have budgeted a certain amount. And it ends up being more than that amount. And if we have not charged the appropriate rates because we don't know everything about the insured, we could be ending up in the hole. Mm -hmm. And so if you pay attention, there's several companies that have actually gone out of business because they could not pay the cost to be the mm -hmm. boss. Like it really mm -hmm. ended up, it was like, we, we saw where home insurers were charging a really low premium. And we're like, this is one of people's largest asset. 
And if it's not insured properly and you're not getting the right premium when it comes time to pay for a total loss claim on a home, Mm -hmm. you're going to be paying out more than what you actually were getting in. And you can only pass that on to so many people before they start leaving. It's a whole cycle. And so that's what we're seeing right now. It's definitely tough out here. It's quite interesting. You know, the coastal areas, which is... Right. The area where where you are, if you will, not on directly on the coast, but correct, you know, mm-hmm. you're close enough that if the wind blow wrong, you feel it. So you know it's it's very interesting to see that take shape. Thank you for that tidbit of information there for our listeners, because I think it's fitting. I think it's useful mm-hmm. and fitting for them to know, hey, this is why this is what's going on. They need to reach out to you. So you know your episode was viewed highly. You know people you know, always are interested about the inner workings of things. And we know that insurance is one of those inner working things. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking You're welcome. by the studio. Welcome. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for being part of the family. Sure. For our listeners, guys, look, Danielle, drop your contact information so people can get in contact with you. Sure thing. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I guess it's X. Twitter, whatever it's called. Um, Yeah, yeah, I have a representation there. I'll put it that way. But if you look me up by Dixon Agency LLC, is how you can find me on social media platforms. I I keep it easy. And I, I try to be as responsive as possible. But I do have a response where you have my contact number for my agency and my email. Shoot me an email. Let me know how you found me. I like to you know, give flowers to the people that send referrals my way because it takes hands to wash hands and we each need each other. And if I, if I don't have the solution for you, I try to connect you to somebody who may have it. Um, The least that I can do is give you the education so that you can be an informed consumer when you're shopping, you know what you need to ask for and you have an understanding of what you're paying your money for. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Danielle, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping in. You're welcome. Thank you for, for crossing the stage on episode 100. 100. What? 100. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You take care. All right. Bye. Bye. But we always have this conversation about, well, rates are going up. Should I wait to buy? So. Let's get your opinion on it. You know, it's actually, I love this because there's so many resources out there. You don't even have to listen to one person's opinion. Do a little teeny tiny bit of research and you're going to see these calculations that will astonish you. You're going to see if I waited from last year to this year to purchase, some people, depending on what they do, they would have saved like $50,000, $100,000, depending on what kind of purchase. And you don't really think it's that big of a deal. But when you see those numbers written down in front of you, that's when you're like, wow, why didn't I just do it? Mm-hmm. There is that hesitation. It's kind of almost like a little bit like gambling. We're like, but I really kind of want to wait. And sadly, no matter what, our lives will continue progressing. Things will start getting, continue being more expensive. I mean, for me personally, like you say, you don't want to project. But I personally don't think waiting is ever a good idea. But Again, do more research. I'm, I'm mm. big on research. You guys do you know, a lot of different programs. Now, for our listeners, you guys are a broker. 
We are a lender. So we, right we, yes. And your listeners understand the difference between a broker and a lender, correct? No, let's have that conversation. Sure, absolutely. So when you get a broker, you'll have someone that will go, a broker is going to basically, hey, here's my different options of what you can do. And then, okay, this is what you like. This is the lender versus us where we personally are lending out money, obviously Mm -hmm. not my own money. We are personally lending out our money and we're wanting to make sure the reason why we get very strict, you'll see with conditions when you're doing a loan. Hey, the underwriter wants to confirm that you have been at your job for two years. The reason we do this is because you have to continue transferring the loans out so that you can get your money back so you can continue loaning. And so this ensures that we are telling the people that are buying the loans, we promise you this is a really good client. And that's kind of where that all comes into play. Rent is going to continue to go up. And that usually is more than owning a house. So I would say whatever rates are right now, go ahead, get that house now if you can, because with the values going up, it's still going to appreciate in value. So you're better off buying now, whatever the rate is, and then down the road, looking to refinance if you can to better your position down the road. And you're going to have more equity in the property then anyway, you may be able to remove PMI at that time. So I absolutely say now is the best time to buy. One of the bigger mistakes that I hear is when people step forward, they say, you know, I'm just going to wait for prices to drop. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's not a good idea. So here it is. We have we have two tiers. We we already know that the interest rates are going to move like this. Mm-hmm. And when prices drop, they more or less move like this. If you have a a $20,000 price drop on homes, it's still not going to give you a benefit if we have a 1% increase on interest rates. You're still going to be paying more monthly. The difference is today you might qualify for 280 when that 1% hits. Even with that $20,000 price drop, you might be now qualifying for, you know, 250, 240. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're still not going to see a benefit from it. I, I think it's the, the one of the biggest mistakes I see people doing is just not sitting down to talk to somebody, a professional, and letting them run the numbers and show them where they can actually generate some wealth and what they can do. I mean, because times are different and you have to prepare in advance financially for where these things are going to take you. So what are you telling people in order for them to be successful at accomplishing home ownership or even selling a home in this market? Definitely persistence and getting their financial house in order. You know, gone are the days where you kind of go in and knowing for sure a seller is going to pay your closing costs. So really having real strong conversations about getting, making sure you have your down payment money, but also making sure you have your, your closing costs. Also, and this is a term I use in my book, I call it eating the manna. So if, again, if you think about the story God gave the children of man, the children of Israel manna to feed them, but they weren't satisfied with the manna because they were used to eating the riches and the meats of Egypt. God was feeding them. Literally, you walk out your door and food is there. And they were unhappy with that. And so when I tell people eat the manna, I mean, be happy with what God provides you. In other words, if you find a great house, great location, and the right number of bedrooms that you need, If it doesn't have granite countertops, don't walk away from that house. 
countertops can be changed. Paint can be updated. So just being really grateful for what God has provided for you and don't get caught up in all the flash. Well, the first question is how long are they going to hold the property, right? Is it a year? Is it two years? And then the next conversation is about the market. And the question that the next conversation is, what is the market going to do? And we don't know. I do think we, we track and we all track is the number of listings and the velocity of houses going under contract. And, you know, we're hibernating right around a thousand listings in the Tri-County area, which is you know, not a lot of houses prior to COVID, we're 5,500. So we're down to low inventory. And so prices are going to continue to go up. They're going to continue up until supply starts to catch up with the demand. And no one knows that. I mean, we don't know if, if it's going to be another two years or three years before it slows down. But in the national terms, we're about a half a million housing starts off every year. We're behind the eight ball. So I don't know what we're going to do to catch up. I happen to sit on the Charleston County Planning Commission. And so I think we have to figure out a way to be more creative when it comes to zoning. And that is a very, very touchy situation when you start to talk about changing zoning and possibly having more density. But I think condos, I think townhouses would certainly help the first-time home buyers get in the market more affordable. Let's start with what sellers need to know in this current climate. What What is your opinion about what sellers need to know? Okay, one thing I would say that definitely sellers need to know is what real estate and selling your home, number one, like how people like to say it's not one shoe that fit every feet. That's true, and it applies to real estate also. So if you're a seller... Don't assume, you know, whatever you saw your neighbor house or whatever your neighbor did, that that will work for your house, too. As a seller, it's important to make sure your house is in good condition. And if everybody can deem good condition as something different. So that's why it's good to have a good real estate agent to be your backbone (laughs) to let you know what's good and good as in curb appeal, the cleanness of the house, what we can do to make sure we're bringing people in, you know, declutter, make sure that basically when you walk into a house, it's the same thing as when you walk into a restaurant, you want something neat, clean, something that you feel comfortable eating your food in. You want people to feel invited and you want a nice look so that when they walk through your house or they, you know, see your master bedroom, they can see their self sitting there. So I want to kind of bring you back or take you back to it. Um, And then we'll circle back around definitely on that because you have a lot of insight to provide regarding now versus then and kind of, you know, what we quote unquote expect. But one of the things that you, you list a lot of properties, am I right? I do. Awesome. So if you had to or were able to quote unquote give advice, not in an individual setting, but in a mass setting to potential or prospective sellers of, of homes in the Charleston market or in the Charleston region, what would that advice be? Well, in order to get the best price possible, I I think, I mean, you've been in this business long enough to know that in the last uh, 15 years, it's changed dramatically, 180 degrees. 
Before, if you wanted to go see homes, you had to come to a realtor's office. We had those big books with the listings that got updated once a week. And we owned the information. The, the, the client didn't have any information. Mm -hmm. uh, well, now with the internet and all the portals, the client and the buyers know the same as we do. And so uh, our job is more uh, how to interpret the barrage of information that's out there in the internet and how to help our clients negotiate through this very challenging market uh, because it's a changing, it's a dynamic market and not you know things that worked five years ago don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're a seller and you're thinking of cashing in at, at this fantastic seller market opportunity, there's, there's a couple of things that are, three things that are very important. Preparation is one. Uh, you really need to make your house shine, make all that deferred maintenance, those repairs so that it presents perfect. That's the only way you're going to get top dollar for your house. And second, pricing. You have to have strategic pricing because even in the seller's market, you can go overboard and overprice a home. And that's not a good idea. And the third one is promotion. You need to be where the buyers are. The National Association of Realtors said that 95% of the buyers start their process online. Mm -hmm. So you have to be heavily on online advertising, pay-per-click, social media to be able to broadcast your listing wherever the buyers are, which we don't know. It can be next door to you. It can be in Japan. We don't mm -hmm. know. The young people seem to be giving up on owning a house because they are reading what they saw on social media. They listen to the mainstream news and that tells them, oh, housing market's high and things are so expensive and nobody can. And woe is me. Well, you know, in North and South Carolina, we do have affordable options if you've got a realtor that's willing to go hunt for them. Now, we're not in the Bay Area. Bless them. I mean, I don't want to live there either, but there are options and you have to stop looking at what you can't do and figure out what you can mm -hmm. and making the phone call might be the lifeline that your neighbor needed to have a chance at the American dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to think about all these things differently. It's the same reason we have to talk about scriptures and we talk about our belief so that somebody in the periphery can hear about it and say, I might need to hear this because I'm seeking that too. It's no different. Yet realtors are not what you see on Selling Sunset. And million <laughs> and that buffoon Phil Dunphy on Modern Family, because I will say it did make me mad when that was the national ad campaign was built around freaking Phil Dunphy from Modern Family, because first of all, he was just kind of a doofus. And he's talking about how all realtors know the model of a window so you can shimmy in the house. So like, I've never shimmied through a window <laughs> and I wouldn't. And ooh, and that's not who we are. And then you watch him go run around and it just, it wasn't professional. It wasn't showing all of those, those details that realtors, I mean, they cry with their clients, Cora. And I know that your agents come to you like mine do, and they're, they're heartbroken when something doesn't go right. Mm -hmm. And it's got nothing to do with anything. It's like, I need, I need her to win. Like, I know, baby, I know. And I want to fix this too, but that's what the, it, it will never show up on TV because that's not mm -hmm. sexy and it's not shocking and it doesn't make anybody go tweet about it. It is day-to-day -day life, which we used to live that pretty well before we had the interwebs and it turned us into little nasty keyboard warriors. We did yeah. a good job back then carrying casseroles to people and showing we cared. So that's what we should go back to is a nine by 13 life. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going to write about. The hold, nine on, that, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. 
See, you clicked and wrote. So hold on. I, I got to get this one. You said nine by 13. The nine by 13 life. You know what the nine by 13 is, right? All right. Look, here. hold on. Elaborate, please. That is the size of a casserole dish that is your ticket to the Baptist church. Because if you don't have a nine by 13, how are you going to make a green bean casserole, a chicken tetrazzini, or a baked spaghetti? That everybody's got one in the kitchen. And if you don't, then I need to introduce you to Jesus and to the church and to cooking the way we used to cook, which was think about what used to happen, right? Somebody had a baby, you fed them. They had a death in the family, you fed them. Something changed in their life, you fed them. But it wasn't even just the food. It was the care that went into the preparation and we took it to the house. And that's what realtors do every day. They notice when life changes and then they say, what, what can I do? And you actually see it with disaster relief, like the Realtor yeah. Relief Foundation. Mm -hmm. Look at how poor old Conway. I mean, they just go underwater at any given chance. And here's the National Guard coming in to put in some sandbags and stand around and say, well, here we are in Conway again. Yeah. And the realtors come in and say, let me give you a little bit of money so you can find somewhere to go while we dry your house out. Mm -hmm. Because realtors just want to swoop in and help. And you don't even see all of that on these mm -hmm. little poisonous devices because it doesn't get people fired up to where they want to leave a thousand comments and make a bunch of little likes and faces. One of the five pillars of exit is the training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've come back and we're all juiced up about doing that and putting that in place uh, for our agents, you know, to keep front of mind that they always need to be learning and growing. So, you know, because we want to provide a, a level of customer service that is just unparalleled. Sure. And the, to add on to that, though, uh, from what you're saying, what I took away from it is like the same, the onboarding process. But in addition, like there's so much that exit uh, has to offer that we weren't even using. And we thought we were using, we, we, we thought we were the people in the office who were using all the exit stuff. And we go up there and we're like, well, we weren't using that. Yeah, well, we weren't using that. You know, there is just limitless, like the amounts of training you can do. The, like they'll make flyers for your listings. And we're over here, like making flyers for our listings where well, you can just click a button and, and they're going to do it for you. But David had mentioned the five pillars and, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it right here, right now, because I've been struggling all it's training, technology, brand, culture, and sponsoring and exits all about all five of them. And, and so that's what exit does to put you in a position to succeed. And we can get into depth on them at a later time, but I just want to make sure I got those five out. So, yeah. so Steve and everybody knows, I, I know those five pillars. But people were unprepared, didn't have the necessary cash flow. This time around, I think people will be ready before it even hits the market. Whereas, like I said, that short sell has worked out or you'd be getting 1.9 million letters coming to your house. Hey, we'll, we'll buy it. You know, Boy, they'd be killing me with them. <laughs> So, so no. you get them too. Man, I get them too. And I'm on this. Listen, I get my phone message and, and they say, matter of fact, let me tell you a quick story on that. And, and this is for you viewers out there. The guys, the message says, hey, uh, hey, hey, buddy. You know, you got to warm me up. Hey, buddy. Uh, we, we see you got this house on 123 Main Street. Um, uh, no, we would love to buy it. Press skip if you want this message to stop, right? I know the game. Because what happens is they have to acknowledge that okay if we're sending these text messages out i got to give you the opportunity to stop it yeah not skip which you meant to say stop s-t-o-p not s-k-i-p yeah. yeah, yeah. so i pressed stop and automatically the system stopped it right because uh -huh. if i would have said kept skip they could have kept hitting me hit me hit me so that's a little <laughs> nugget out there but anyway a lot of people will keep sending you letters that with the letters on top of banks willing to work things out on top of i think it won't be an avalanche because institutions okay. do not want to get in a foreclosure process, 
So it won't be nowhere near as the, the crash back then. Then there's a lot of laws and guidelines in place too. Because you know, you had a lot of mortgage lenders or uh, mortgage companies was taking advantage of people. A misdocument, misdocument documents and not putting mm-hmm. the correct information. It was a lot of BS going on back then. That's that's why you had what you had, you know. What markets do you primarily practice in? Do you in B area or are you in other parts of the country? What areas do you like currently? Yeah. So I'm embarrassed on how many markets I'm still in and I'm exiting some of my markets. So from Hawaii, right? From Hawaii, uh-huh. everyone, if you grew up on an island, everyone else is just the others, right? So I didn't know the difference between Virginia and South Carolina in terms of markets, right? I just knew that I was started in Hawaii and then Hawaii was too expensive. Yeah. Uh, After a couple of transactions, I'm like, you can't cash flow in Hawaii. So almost picking a spot on the map and figuring out where am I going to go to? So Texas and and Georgia and and there's multiple markets in between that I've dabbled in, which is a terrible way to be a real estate investor until I found really the right team in a market. And so the markets that I have grew significantly in is really directly related to, I have a competent team, like a rock star team on the ground there. And although I'm licensed, I'm never my own agent. I I hire someone that knows that market better than I am. Sure. I could be a property manager. I've tried it. I'm a terrible property manager. So I need to make sure I have a rock star property manager on the ground and contractors. If you're doing value add over the last five years, I've shifted heavily into the DMV market. I did almost nothing in this area. Although I lived in this area, I had the ability to invest remotely. I just happened to be living in a different location, right? So I was always looking at investing remotely. And it really was once my kids started to become old enough to understand what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And rather than showing them pictures and a, a P&L sheet, which I do, I, I just knew that they could get more out of a hands-on education. Mm-hmm. And so me buying properties that we can drive to, that they can, mm-hmm. you know, go take a look at the renovation, take a look at it before, during, after, mm-hmm. put them to work a little bit before the contractors show up so that it grains in, ingrains in their memory some mm-hmm. of the, um, the value lessons that they can learn. So heavily in this DMV market uh, over the last five years. You're not going to argue with argue. Right. Fire and fire just makes irritation and they're going to hang up the phone on you. So what we got to do is we got to bring them back to the fundamentals of why did you reach out in the first place? Like, why did you show up to the open house? Why did you dial us on that ad? Why did you put your information on that listing that we are advertising? Like something triggered you. So if we can, well, you know, we're looking for a bigger house. Okay. And why are we looking for a bigger house? Well, we have a bunch of kids. Okay. That makes sense. Now, a lot of agents are going to stop right there. Like you barely just got the lid of the jar open and you stop. You're like, okay, they need a bigger house. They have a lot of kids. How many kids do you have? We have three kids. Okay. What kind of house are you looking for? We're looking for a five bedroom. Great. Oh, chick ching, chick ching, chick ching, five bedroom. That's 500,000. Oh, that's 25. Right. They start going into the math and they forget about the prospect. They've already gone to the store and bought the $7 gallon of milk and filled up their Escalade three times that they couldn't afford. And so we're like, wait a minute, slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. What's the effect that they're having? Okay, so tell me, so we know what you want. You guys want a five-bedroom house. You got a bunch of kids. How many? Three. Okay. Why else do we need the house? Mm -hmm. What else is affecting you? And so instead of assuming, let the person tell you the story because when they tell you the story, they tell themselves how much pain they're in. Yeah. Right? So they have to say it. Selling isn't telling 
selling is asking questions and then biting your lip and tongue. And maybe like the only time that I think like jewelry in your mouth is appropriate is if you like, you put that shoehorn that the kids put through their lip. If you put it in through your lip and you shut the hell up and you stop talking, then it's appropriate. Corin, all of a sudden, well, rates are 7% in your market. Mm. Yeah, but dude, I'm going to lose my wife. Yeah. I've already lost one of my oldest son thinks the computer is more important than me because Mm -hmm. I'm always staring at the computer instead of talking to him. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, is this something like that we want to change? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess rates don't matter as much. Maybe we live 20 minutes away from where we wanted to live because that's where homes are more affordable. Now we're moving into the topic of investing, right? Actually buying and holding property over the long term, And so house hacking is a great way to do that. Especially when I was uh, just getting started, still working a job. A big reason that I was able to leave my job and get front range land up and going is because I was house hacking. I bought a single family here in Colorado Springs in 2018, and it was a four bed, three bath split level. I lived upstairs in the master, I rented out the two extra bedrooms upstairs for 700 a month each. And then the basement, again, it was a split level. So there was another living room, a back entrance, bathroom, storage, all that, and a basement beyond that. I rented that for 900 a month. So my mortgage was, I want to say 15-ish hundred. And I had, what is that? 1,600 coming in a month while I was living in it. I'm sorry, that math was terrible. I had 2,300 a month. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, you <laughs> said 700 each upstairs yeah, yeah. and 900 down. I forgot the other yeah. 700, yeah. So I had 2,300 <laughs> a month coming in on a $1,500 mortgage while I was living in the property. They covered my gas, utilities, and food for the month along with the mortgage. And that gave me the freedom to go leave my job, get my business up and running and fail for a little bit because all my bases were covered. Did I like having people in my house? No, I didn't. I didn't at all. But you know what? I'm glad I did it because it allowed me to get my business going. And I would every year buy another one, move to it and do it again. That's allowed me to build a portfolio and it allowed me to take the risk of leaving my job and getting my business going. And so it was uncomfortable. I don't miss that. I stopped doing that last year. I bought a nice house and I don't have anyone in it here with me. But again, short-term sacrifices up front can pay dividends in the long run. And so that was well worth doing. And now I have some great rentals too, just from that. There's a difference between a regular IRA and a Roth IRA. Yep. There's tax mm-hmm. advantages mm-hmm. Uh, to, to the Roth that the regular IRA doesn't have. And then 1031 exchanges. My last one that I did, this couple, two single family residences and did a 1031 exchange into a larger parcel of land in mm-hmm. exchange for those two. Deferred the tax. That's what the mm-hmm. 1031 exchange does. So they paid no tax. And they own now a more expensive piece of dirt, which mm-hmm. they will then wait the mm-hmm. seven to 10 years that we recommend to people and mm-hmm. ride it to that three to seven X return, which is way more than would make on the houses. And mm-hmm. they don't have to deal with what we call the T's, tenants, toilets, termites, and trouble. They got none of the T's. Nobody waking them up at midnight on Saturday. Like yeah. I got a call yeah. from one of my rentals. Brad, I'm sorry to call you so late. Oh, yeah, what is it? I was half asleep. What is it, Brooke? Uh, the washing machine overflowed. Your basement up in Pasco, Washington has about three, four inches of water in it. I've already called the guys, their emergency crew. It's going to cost more because it's the weekend. Yeah. But you want to get the water out before it causes any mold. Thank goodness for homeowners insurance because it covered the $5,600 bill mm-hmm. for all the work that had to be done. But I was stuck for seven or $800 to buy a new washing machine. 
tenants, toilets, termites, and trouble. We don't want any more of that. I've got one rental now. I'm down to just the one. It's fully paid for, so it's all cash flow. So that one I can put up with a little, a few of the T's. So in that situation as, as a buyer, that buyer, I would imagine, either had, should have had, or taken the time to inspect the property, which means that there should have been some degree of inspection to understand what the condition of the plumbing was, if the issue was even related to plumbing. If they went on vacation, one thing that we tell people, you leave the house and go on vacation, shut the water off to the house. (laughs) I think these are very practical things that people should do. And I think what I'm positing is a little bit more dramatic. What what I'm positing is the fact that if you know how to use the legal system to protect yourself, you don't care what the facts are, right? It's that the mere preparation and the mere tools that you've used on the legal side tell you, say, it doesn't matter to me what the facts are, what people are alleging or what they're lying about, or whether there was a representation about whether the plumbing was replaced or not. And says, no, we already have enough built in that by using the process of understanding how real litigation really happens, that you're in this uh, class of people, which is the top one-tenth of 1%. And what my company focuses on is how do you take those types of strategies, that type of tax and financial sophistication, that type of estate planning, and offer it to the average real estate investor? Guys, that was a great show today. And we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Exit Strategies Radio Show. My name is Corwin J. Millette. Yes, that is me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in for today's episode. Exit Strategies is my baby. It is how I give back to our community. It is how I foster goodwill, spread good news, and trustfully help you get great results. Guys, as I always say to you, as I always say to you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we're going to see you guys out there in the streets. <laughs>